0: In our first episode of Season 5, we have a special guest, Joe Demiers, starter for University of Washington. Earlier this year, Joe threw a perfect game, only the 27th in Division I history. Joe has been Angel Borelli's client for the last 11 years. She not only keeps him injury-free, but makes sure his strength training and mechanics stay in check. This episode, you're going to learn how they work together to do that, and also how to pitch a perfect game. Let's go. All right, so here we are, Season 5, Episode 1 of Baseball Pitching the Fix, featuring baseball pitching motion expert Angel Borelli. And Angel, can you believe we are on Season 5? I
1: know. Hi, Joe. I'm so glad to be here. So glad.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: And we're kicking off our fifth season with
0: a very special guest, Joe Demirs from the University of Washington, who we also like to call Mr. Perfect since he just pitched a perfect game. But, uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny,
0: but Angel, you actually have known Joe for a long time, so why don't you introduce him to our listeners?
1: Okay, great. Well, the reason why I wanted to do this show is uh, Joe to commemorate that wonderful day when you threw a perfect game a few weeks ago, and it's such an it's been such an honor to work with you over the past eleven years, and I think the the coolest thing about for, for me, working with you has been sort of a gift to me in the sense that uh, it, it provides me with a message to all pitchers and all coaches that I think is so important to, uh, to actually believe. Um, when I started my work with pitchers a long time ago, the reason why I started to work with mechanics instead of doing the mental side of the sport, which is what I was actually studying, sports psychology, is that when I was a strength coach for pitchers and I started noticing the kinds of things that you guys have to go through on the mound, I said to myself, you know, if I work with their body and if I work with their motion and if I help them understand their motion and I help them be in the driver's seat with their motion, that they have something to bite their teeth into, they can practice it off the mound so that when they get on the mound, they actually can be available for what the real game calls for, which is you're not thinking about the motion, but you're just getting the job done of getting your hitters out. And over the last 11 years, that's exactly what I've watched you do. And when you threw the perfect game, I said to myself, never a doubt. And you for 11 years have embodied that whole philosophy that I've had, which is you've worked hard to control the things you can control so that when you got on the mound with the game being completely out of your hands in terms of what you can control, uh, that you would be available for it. And the take-home message that I want for all the pitchers that are listening today is to really realize that there are so many things that you can control when you're a pitcher. What you do off the mound is critical. And if you do it and you commit to it fully, when you get on the mound, you can actually handle everything that comes your way. So for me, this show today is a perfect kind of reward for thinking that way and then also seeing it come to life with the work you've done. And Joe, it's so funny because when I think back 11 years ago, so 11 years ago, I get a call from Rick Ryder, who is the owner of the La Miranda Baseball Club. And he calls me and he says, I have a 10-year-old pitcher who is so good He's got the stuff, and but he's going to hurt himself if he keeps throwing this way. So I went out to the park to watch you pitch, and I don't know if you remember that first day, and I looked and I saw this strong, big kid on the mound. I felt so sorry for the hitters he was facing. It was only a practice, and <laughs> I remember saying, oh, boy, and here we are today, 11 years later, so it's so great to have you here, Joe.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I couldn't have explained that any better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, well, there you
0: go. So for those who don't know, Joe pitched a perfect game, only the 27th perfect game in Division One history earlier this year. Only 84 pitches. Amazing. Uh, you know, what an efficient game. Nine strikeouts, 12 groundouts, six flyouts the first in school history, the fifth in Pac-12 history, uh, the first no-hitter by a Husky since Tim Linscomb pitched a combined no-hitter with Nick Hagadon Both of them played a little bit of Major League Baseball. Kind of good company right there, Joe. Congratulations on that.
2: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But really what, what I want to talk to you and what I'd like to hear from you is not what happened in the game, but a lot of the things that went into putting you into that position of being able to, first of all, be one of the top pitchers for Washington, if not the ace pitcher for Washington this year, but also in a position where you threw a perfect game. So, first thing I want to ask you is, from what Angel's told me, you've never, ever hurt your arm. No inju- no major injuries whatsoever to your arm. How does that happen? I mean, in this, this day and age where we see so many kids and and you know adults of all ages just blowing out their arms one way or another, how can you explain never having an arm injury?
2: Yeah, it's it's not just training hard, but training smart. We we do um, a certain pitch count and recovery program. Um, we we lift properly before and after pitching, and and the band routines that we do before and after pitching. Those all contribute to to me staying healthy, and um, it's been just a great program that I've been on for many years now, and obviously it works. So yeah, just all that combined has been has been my main key to staying healthy.
1: Joe, I wanted since you mentioned training, I wanted to uh, throw in because I get questions from listeners, and one of the questions that I get all the time is uh, fathers always asking this. You know, at what age should my son? start lifting weights. And as you know, an experimental program that I started and it never stopped was bringing you and your other bros into the gym when you were 11 years old and saying, hey, you know what, let's work out twice a week. The demand on your body's there. You guys are great, great players. And we we started with you when you were 11 years old. Would you say that if your father was asking you that question, would you say, hey, if he's on the mound, it's early enough to train as long as he's doing it right? Or what would your opinion of that be? And how much of a role do you think starting early made so that when you, you know, got to be 16, 17, where a lot of kids are just picking up their first weight, you had already been training for years?
2: Yeah, I think if you're old enough to play competitive sports, you're definitely old enough to, to get in the gym and, and start lifting um, um, as long as you have someone there to, to show you how to do it properly and. And not not blowing it up uh, with too much weight. Um, I think we started with like five pound dumbbells on almost every exercise. <laughs> and I know just,
1: it didn't and, la- it didn't last long, but we yeah
2: did. no. And then I was eager to get up up and weight from there on out, and, and I'm still still trying to go up and weight uh, every time I I go in the gym. So I think I think it was very beneficial to me. It, it not only taught me strength, but but coordination as well, and and proper um, lifting techniques. So, obviously, I had you to help me with all that, but um, it definitely made me a a better player at that young age and and to be able to carry that on throughout uh, high school and and now college.
0: So, Joe, do you you continue to lift weights? You do it in-season as well as off-season?
2: Yeah, yep. Um, I lift three times a week, uh, both in-season and Um, off-season. Off-season is a completely different workout than than in-season workouts, but... um, it's the same amount of uh, intensity and, and purpose.
0: Okay. So Angel mentioned that she first saw you as a 10-year-old who looked like he might hurt his arm. Do you remember how you reacted when Angel came to start working with you and, and like maybe any memory of what was going through your head when someone was trying to tell you to fix what certainly you might not have thought was broken since you were still pitching pretty well?
2: Yeah, I mean, we we uh, took it one one adjustment at a time. Um, I probably had a hundred things wrong with my mechanics, but uh, <laughs> she, she just took one uh, one step at a time, and each step I I saw improvement, and so I knew I I wanted to keep working and keep getting better with Angel, and um, yeah, so I saw myself improve immediately almost, and I still do. She'll she'll fix one little thing in my mechanic, and I'll immediately immediately feel it. So. Um, I've been very lucky to have Angel to work with.
0: See, now that's interesting because there are so many pitchers who are afraid to make even like a minor adjustment for one reason or another. Why do you feel like you have a different perspective when it comes to getting adjustments or or being told you need to fix one thing or another? When there, you know, there's so many pitchers who just they're they're afraid to change anything at all.
2: Yeah, well, well, we've made adjustments that I didn't like, and um, and I've not done them. But I've tried everything that she suggests, and, and almost all the time it's, it's the correct way. And, and not only just staying healthy, but providing more on the fastball or getting over the front foot for the breaking ball and just stuff like that. So I think being able to make adjustments is one of the keys to moving up and, and pitching through every level.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, for both of you and for the listeners, I think that a key component that Joe lives by and may not articulate it this way, but he's always looking at the big picture. And to me, that is the way to approach things. Uh, if you are looking at the small pic- picture, you're only concerned with throwing balls or throwing strikes getting guys out without thinking about if this is something you can do or learn to do on a consistent basis repeating a good performance is what what pitching should be about it's you know anybody can go in and be lucky and throw one good game but Coaches even know how to recognize if a, if a pitcher is, has the style of delivery that is repeatable. And being repeatable is not only important for consistency, but also for the pitcher to be able to progress and improve. If he's repeating something that is central to his delivery, he's getting better at it each time. So one of the things that I know about you, Joe, is that You know, when we discuss adjustments and, you know, Joe and I have always worked with Joe, this is what I want you to do now. And by the way, this thing you don't want to do, let's put it on the sidebar. And if you want to do it later, come to me. I'm not nuts about you doing it, but you're still getting the job done. And that's the way we've always worked. And that really is the way that when someone's working with good adjustments for a pitcher, it's the way they should work. You're negotiating with the pitcher and the pitcher should immediately feel, oh, this is going to be good. Even if he can't do it right away, a pitcher usually knows after two or three tries, he'll shake his head yes, and he'll smile and he'll, he'll know he likes it. And I think the great fear that pitchers have is they feel like they're somebody's trying to change them from being who they are. And to me, the most important thing that coaches have to keep in mind is you have to see who is that pitcher, what is his central theme of his delivery, how does he move, who is he, and then you make the adjustments around that, making sure you're retaining that individuality that that pitcher has. And if you've taught him right over time, when you suggest something to him and he tries it, if he says, I don't want to do this, you have to respect his opinion, because after all, you've helped educate him to be able to make that opinion. And you have to remember that the pitcher is the one that gets to call it. If you're doing your job well, he doesn't say no very often. 99% of the time he's going to say yes. So I think that's such an important take home message. And Joe, that's one thing about you. You're always open because for you, improving is the name of the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I know I have to improve in order to move up and up each level of this game.
1: Have
0: you made any adjustments this year leading up to the the perfect game? Did you have to make any mechanical adjustments one way or another?
2: Well, my glove arm has always been my my biggest thing. Uh, I always let it fall down a little bit instead of pulling it in like a row. Um, so that's that's been the main main thing I've been working on. Other than that, no. I, like Angel said before, I try and. Uh, I work on my mechanics and practice throughout the week. So when I get into the game, I don't have to worry about anything.
0: Right. So when, once, let's say you had to make a, a small adjustment with your glove arm and you're in the game, are you thinking about it once you're in the game or is at that point it's it's out of your head?
2: No, I, I do it so many times throughout the week that when I when I get into the game, I, I don't even worry about it. Um, I can just focus on one one pitch at a time, one hitter at a time. And, uh, and not worry about my mechanics. And that, that was a key part to the perfect game, especially when, when things are going so well like that. You don't want to be thinking about your mechanics at all. You just want to keep doing what you're doing.
0: All right. Now, do you ever self-adjust or fix yourself in the middle of a game? Like, if you are you able to realize when something's off or are there any clues that tell you something is off and then can you fix it on the mound?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost every game I catch myself doing something uh, one thing or another, and that's that's a, another thing about being an, an elite pitcher is being able to make in game adjustments like that, and that's been huge for me and and angels taught me how to how to catch those all the time,
1: yeah, you know joe um i wanna this is another thing that I think is so important for pitchers to 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 think about to start with thinking about this, especially if you haven't had a lot of work with your mechanics. Working with mechanics and learning how to take instruction, let's say you've got a coach that you trust, but let's say you haven't been around very often in terms of working on your delivery. And so a little, view, a little part of you is hesitant, but moreover, you're not experienced at taking and implementing instruction. If you give yourself a grace period to where you allow yourself to make mistakes and learn, and allow yourself to work with something long enough to where you actually see it work, you will then go to the next level with being able to take instruction. One of the big differences that I see between pitchers that end up, let's say, in the position Joe is in, and a pitcher who has maybe a great arm, but he doesn't have that mindset, he doesn't have the head for pitching, is the inability to trust instruction, take instruction, let it sink in. And it's because of some message that's going on in their head that's actually blocking them. So as a pitcher, learning how to take instruction, as long as you're with people you trust, is a very important component to becoming a good pitcher. And then you get to where Joe is at, which is, you know, when I work with pitchers, I individualize for them all their things. For example, Joe knows His glove arm is a thing. He knows that when he puts it out in a certain way and it's at a correct height, it helps him rotate and square up to the target more efficiently. The second he's not doing that, let's say he's in a bullpen with me and I say, Your arm's low, he goes, Oh, okay. And then he fixes it. He goes, Oh, wow. In that moment, he can tell by contrast that it has helped. Now, why is he at that place? Because we've worked on it a 100 times. Does it get out of whack? Yes. As I always say to him, Lamborghinis need tune-ups every other day. Uh, Volkswagen may be able to drive around without seeing a mechanic for a long time. The better you are, the more you will get out of whack. But it doesn't take a big deal to put yourself back into shape. So for pitchers, learning to take instruction, exposing yourself to the instruction, giving yourself that grace period to make mistakes, to see the benefit of it, will get you to the place where when you have your own little toolbox of things you do, when you're on the mound, if you need an adjustment, you should be able to make it. If you're walking, I mean, if you've just walked three guys and your ball is missing with a certain pattern, It's really great for you to be able to uh, walk off the mound, kick some dirt around, take a millisecond and say, "Uh uh-oh. I must be doing this thing again. And then go back on the mound, forget about it, but do it. And that's the kind of adjustment that Joe's talking about. And at an elite level, you have to be able to do that because you might get out of whack on the mound. But you should be able to acknowledge it, and then you forget it, and you trust that your body heard what you just told it to do. And then you trust that it heard it, and then you go ahead and your next pitch is all about the pitch. And that's the difference. in taking somebody who was having instruction and open to coaching. And again, I'm going to say that the, the characteristic that Joe brought to the table at an early age was that he wanted to be better and he was open to instruction. But I am sure, just like he said, we took one adjustment. He saw that it helped. And then he said, I'm in. You have to, as a coach, prove yourself to your pitcher and you have to do things that are actually going to help him be better not you sound like a good coach but say something that helps him be a better pitcher and I think that's an important thing for coaches to keep in mind yeah that's that's great stuff angel
0: you know I want to move forward to the perfect game when you were in the bullpen before the game doing your warm-ups did you feel anything special or different about that day or about how you were feeling or anything like that going through your head?
2: No, nothing. Nothing crazy. I mean, I felt I felt really good in the in the pregame bullpen, and and just tried to carry it out to the mound. Um, I actually stopped my bullpen a little short because I felt so good. I wanted to save some to the game, you know.
0: <laughs> right, of course. And at what point did you feel like you were doing something special? At what what inning or what point were you like, whoa, I got a perfect game going?
2: Well, at at this level, it's hard to go through the lineup perfect, let alone three times so once I got through that first time perfect I was like all right let's let's try and do it one more time and um, sure enough I I went through the nine batters again through the sixth and I just said to myself I got one more time through the lineup and I have it and so sure enough um, nine batters later he flew out to right and I, I had myself a perfect game it was pretty special
0: yeah absolutely now once you got through the lineup the second time yeah did you feel like any like different pressure or put anything on your mind like wow I got a real shot to make this happen? Or, like did you like anything different happen in your mind or like you put a little extra in or anything like that?
2: Um, no, I just tried to tell myself to keep doing what I'm doing because it's working. So I, I tried not to do anything different um, and just just keep keep throwing strikes like I was um, keep my mechanics just how they were and and just keep doing what I was doing.
0: So basically, one pitch at a time.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So now, after you've picked pitched the perfect game, what do you do for an encore? Like, what what was your mindset then going into the next start? Was you know now uh, now that I've pitched pitched the perfect game, what, what what can I do next? Was there anything different about how you approached the next the next outing?
2: Yeah, I was I was trying to do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we were actually in Minnesota, and I I went. Through their lineup, one time perfect. So that was twelve perfect innings in a row um, until until their leadoff guy got a hit in his second at bat.
0: Ah, and then you were like, "Damn it!"
2: Yeah, and then I was like, "There it goes." But um, no, it, it was pretty. It was pretty special. And I mean, every time I go out there, I'm I'm trying to throw a perfect game.
0: Oh, okay. So, but but when once it gets once you get that let up, we're like, "All right, the perfect game's over." Is there a reset or is it just you just keep doing what you did the pitch before?
2: Yeah, now, now I just say to myself, it's time to compete and uh, uh, get get the win um, after, after um, a hit's been given out. It's time to just win, win a ball game. Right.
1: I, I have a little something I want to throw in here. So, Joe, here comes my curveball that I promised you. So, uh, to the listeners, as I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Coach Rick Ryder, who is the owner and founder of La Mirinda Baseball Club. It's one of the best travel baseball teams in the country. He's got six teams ranging from 10 to 18 U. So, uh, he played. Joe played for him as a young boy. So, of course, I had to interview him about Joe, for this interview. So it turns out Mr. Perfect wasn't actually perfect in one way when he was 10. So here's what Rick said. I have a bunch of notes and all of these things were fantastic. (laughs) But I want to tell you what I said, come on, Rick. I said, there must be something about Joe that wasn't perfect from the start, in addition to some of the mechanical stuff. And here's what he said. (laughs) Do you know what I'm gonna tell you?
2: I don't, but I'm eager to see what it is.
1: Because I want everyone to hear about this because it's something that you did that you overcame. In fact, you overcame it by the time you were twelve. And if you did hadn't overcome it, you we would not be at probably having this interview right now. You may actually not even be at UW. So he said that one of the things about you when you were 10, obviously you were awesome, obviously you were big, obviously you were strong, you had a great head for baseball, and you were quite the competitor. He said, but you had no control over your emotions. He said, not so much, uh, you know, like flagrantly running around being emotional, but that you were such a touch tough competitor that your competitiveness was so above everyone's on the team that you weren't the most patient or the most accepting of any errors that would go on during a game so that you would actually be affected. And he said he could visually see your rhythm being thrown off. He could visually see you being affected. And he said in that one, that was when you were 10 and he said that by the time you were 12 because you knew that that was a problem and I'm certain that he discussed it with you he said you he saw you starting to work on that and he said by the time you were 12 you had completely overcome that being affected by things that didn't go right in the game and when I heard that. I was surprised because, of course, I never witnessed it, but I thought it was a fantastic thing for the fathers of youth pitchers to hear and for pitchers to hear who still have not overcome that. And I want you to talk about, first of all, do you remember way back when you weren't an expert at controlling the mental game? Man, now that you say that, yes, yes, I do. I try to
2: block it out, but... um yeah, I remember I, I could be a, a little bit emotional, um, um, maybe even somewhat of a baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is very interesting. And so, yeah. did you know it? And how, what what was your plight to overcome it? Because listen, I think this is the difference in pitchers that every coach listening knows this. We know the guys who have the stuff, and the stuff is. You've got the head and you've got the arm and you got the smarts, okay? It's just as simple as that. But you have the attitude and you know how to handle yourself, demeanor on the mound. So that's why anybody who knows you on the mound now knows you have like an amazing demeanor. I mean, it's amazing. So that's why when I heard this, so you transformed yourself. And I think stories of transformation are important for pitchers to hear, Because there's going to be somebody who hears this podcast who says, man, that's me. And they need to see that it can be overcome. Tell us all about it and how you got out of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was just part of me maturing um, as a person and a player. And and I really worked on um, just not letting anything that I can't control affect me or my performance. Because I I would notice it affect my performance. Um, I would kind of go downhill after something went wrong. So I, I just really stuck to it and tried to, to take it one pitch at a time after that. And um, my my dad was a big help in that, too, saying that I can't be doing that stuff on the field. It, it looks bad and, and, and that I just need to focus on what I can control.
1: Wow, that is amazing. Uh, and before I leave the topic of Rick Ryder, I want to tell you, I said to him, so what did you think? when you heard that Joe threw a perfect game, since, you know, he and I have been with you since the beginning. And I said, what did you think? And his exact statement was, I said to myself, it was just a matter of time. (laughs) Nice, huh? Uh,
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I appreciate Rick and everything he's done for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a great coach. We hope to have him as a guest to, to educate fathers on youth pitching. But speaking of parents, Joe, you have a set of parents that are, hmm, it's hard to describe them because they are, wow, I don't know how to describe them, supportive, non-interfering, um, amazing, uh, just you know, perfect in so many ways from saying that as a person that's looking from the outside in. And there's so many things that parents can do that they don't intentionally want to do, but that can cause problems for their their child that's an athlete. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about if you were, if you, because we have a lot of fathers listening And the fathers that, of course, working one-on-one, especially with pitchers of all ages, I spend a lot of time talking to the parents and mostly the fathers. And every father loves his son. And every father expresses it in a different way. And every father wants the best for their son. And every father goes about trying to have their son have that in a different way. What do you think, if you were talking to fathers who have sons that fail, sons that succeed, sons that, you know, upset them when you see different behavior at games. What would you say are the magic ingredients or the kinds of things that a father should think about or understand about their son while he's on the mound? And also what they can do as a father to be as supportive as yours is,
2: yeah, well my my dad was awesome. He, I don't think he ever said a, a negative thing about me. He would always just keep it positive and um he would suggest things that where he thinks I could improve and and he wouldn't he wouldn't force anything on me. He wouldn't he wouldn't yell or anything. He would he would just suggest um ideas on where I can improve my game. And if I didn't want to talk at that moment, he w- he wouldn't pressure me to talk or anything. So I think the way he went about it was to just to just let me do my own thing and, and learn from my own mistakes and he was just there to support me the whole time.
0: Wow so Joe do you ever notice your dad or your mom while you were pitching a game at all?
2: Um, I mean yeah I can hear my mom cheering every game but other than that no they, they would they would be at every game they would be in the stands watching and, and cheering but um never never anything crazy.
0: Right uh, the only reason I bring it up because I'm, I'm sure you've seen the same thing I've I've seen dads who like will stand behind the backstop and be barking out orders to their son
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, or, you know, from the sidelines and all that. And and I've always, I, I never thought it was a good idea, but, you know, I, but I've also seen the other side uh, parents. It sounds like, like yours or just kind of like stay back and let you play the game, let you do your thing and let you be focused on what you're doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, everyone's different, but, but my, my parents were uh, really great about giving me my space and and let me let me learn on my own that's cool
0: while we're talking about this i I do want to go a little little further back in your history this perfect game wasn't the first time you were successful at baseball obviously you know you had a a a fantastic career in in high school gatorade california player of the year pitcher of the year according to perfect game max preps national player of the year usa today all-american Louisville Slugger All-American. I mean, it goes on and on and on. You had a lot of attention thrown on you at a pretty young age. When did you start being approached by college and pro scouts? How old were you?
2: Well, let's see. I got my first... I went on my first visit when I was in eighth grade and I actually got offered a full ride when I was in eighth grade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it started really young.
0: Now... Now having that thrown upon you at that age, did it affect your perspective did it did it change your your head at all did you get a little too big headed or anything or did it get you more motivated? Tell me like how how it made you feel because not every thirteen or fourteen year old is being offered full rides at that you know at that age
2: yeah it, it actually motivated me a lot i I saw I could get one full ride I wanted to get a full ride from every school uh, <laughs> Wow, I, I want I wanted to keep getting better and um, be put on on the map uh, nationally, not just in in California. You know,
0: wow, that's uh that's pretty impressive. Uh, how how do you feel like you've been able to stay level headed and grounded, you know, even with all that attention from a young age?
2: Definitely, my family and friends. I have three good buddies that all play at Pac-12 schools, so we all just compete and, and try and get each other better and better at everything we do, whether it's in the gym or on the field. Um, and then my family is, has just been supportive of me ever since I was little. And uh, they've, they've kept me level-headed and, and have taught me how to be humble and um, and respectful. So so I, I, I thank those guys for everything they've done for me.
0: Is there anyone in particular who uh, will let you know if you get a little – too big for your britches
2: oh yeah my mom will my mom's the <laughs> one that keeps me level-headed absolutely
1: that's great that's cool <laughs> well i have uh, i have uh not so much a question but i want to just uh, uh i because again this is uh a moment for people and pitchers to hear some of the ingredients that it takes to um to be at your best in each moment. And, um, you know, even though I've worked with Joe, worked with you, Joe, for so long, it, it wasn't until actually the last few years, I mean, I've always known what you were made of, but in the last few years, things have come up that were difficult. They were, you didn't have the best freshman year. I'm not used to having you ever even lose or be pulled out of a game in a third inning or anything that was of that nature. Um, it just, you know, just unusual circumstances that were new. And of course, as one of your coaches, I stand back and I'm just there for you. And watching the way you handle, have handled things in the past few years. I mean, uh, you know, I respect all the pitchers I work with. I think pitchers are an incredible being. I think that to be a pitcher takes a lot. And I've watched you work hard And But watching the way that you have handled some of the things that have been thrown your way in the last few years has been an amazing experience. And I want to just run you through a few few vignettes so that the listeners can hear some of the qualities that it takes to get to where you're at now. So one of the pictures in my mind, I will never forget of you, and this goes back to when things still were always 100% successful for you. So we would be working out in the gym twice a week, and Joe would not miss a workout. He would come in after a game. He would come in the night before a game. But whenever Joe was done, he would put the towel around his neck instead of having it in his hand, and he'd walk up to me, and he'd look at me, and he'd say, so is that it? And I'll never forget one night, he walks up to me, and he's got the towel around his neck, so I know he thinks he's done, and he says, so that's it kind of, right? It's kind of a statement and a question. And I said, well, I have one more thing I was going to give you, but that's okay, you can go. And he would say, well, <laughs> that one thing. Uh, would it help me be better? And I'd say, yes. And he'd say, okay, what is it? And that was a moment that I will never forget because I'm in the gym all the time with pictures, and not everybody is like that. So I want every pitcher that's listening to this to think about that one more thing you might be able to do, that when you're deciding to do it, you don't check in with your fatigue level, you check in, or let's say your motivation level, you check in with your intent level and having the intention of being good. The second experience I remember that's funny is when, Joe, you were in a tournament. It was like a four-day tournament. It was something where you wanted to pitch a second time. And I said, Joe, if you go more than 59 pitches in this game, you're not going to be able to pitch on such and such day. And you said, well, then I'll get this done in 59 pitches. And you got it done in whatever that pitch count was. Do you remember that?
2: I do remember that. I think it was 59 exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Wow. <laughs> Again. Again, somebody who has the ability to call on their higher self to get the job done. And then I remember seeing you for the first time after your not so successful freshman year. I hadn't talked to you. Our eyes hadn't met in months and months. And you walked in. I remember meeting you for the first appointment during the summer. and We were going to get organized for some off-season stuff. And you walked into the gym, and I just looked up at you and caught your eyes. And you said, so what do we have to do? Yep, I remember that. And that was it. Again, the intent of not belaboring what you can't control, like the pitch you just threw, but thinking about the pitch you're going to throw right now. Again, Joe, you embody a philosophy that I live by, which is grow where you are planted. Doesn't matter what you're given, whether it's a success or whether it's a failure or whether it's something tough. If you take that moment and just say, how can I get the most out of this, no matter what it is, then you're always doing your best, even if You give up a grand slam, even if you get pulled, even if you throw a ball, even if you walk someone, no matter what, if you always grow where you are planted, handle what you are handed, then you will always be on the road to progress. And that's one of the things about you that I've learned and seen you know, over the past few years, and it's uh, it's to be commended. And I hope every pitcher out there gets a chance to look at himself, review himself, and see where his strengths are, make them stronger, take the weaknesses, make them stronger, and then be on the same journey, because the journey is really just about being your best. And that's been a, a, what I've witnessed in you. And uh, it's great to have the opportunity to be able to tell you that.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. I, I try and take pride in that absolutely
0: yeah angel alluded to um your freshman year at washington didn't exactly go the way you planned do you feel like you did you lose any confidence after that season did it like did it shake your confidence a little bit
2: um i wouldn't say shake shook my confidence but it it showed me how much more i could improve and how much i had to work on so i was ready to go after that year i knew i knew i had a lot to, to prove i knew i had a lot to work on um so i was just i was pumped up to get going and and improving
0: do you have any advice for other pitchers and as far as making the adjustment from high school to division one college
2: um yeah i mean it's it's a completely different game you know it's it's everyone's high school's best player um on one team and so it's it's a big adjustment the game's quicker um i would just say try and slow the game down and and take it one pitch at a time and 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 keep working and um even if that first year isn't what you want, uh, the, the next year is, is going to be just, uh, just as hard. So you got to keep working and keep getting better every way you can.
0: What's next for Joe Demers?
2: Um, hopefully uh, I'll be pitching in the MLB in a few years. But right now i just got to keep going throughout this season. And the draft is coming up in June. So that's my next, next steps.
0: All right. Well, good luck with that.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Joe, thanks so much for coming on
2: yeah thank you guys
0: thank you thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Fix please pass along to another pitcher coach or parent please subscribe to the podcast Uh, if you have no idea what a podcast is go to the app store on your smartphone and search for baseball pitching The Fix and you can download our app if you want to learn more about Angel you can go to her website it's gymscience.com you can also email her angel at gymscience for more about me Joe Janish. You can visit fixingpitchers.com and you can also hit me up on Twitter at fixingpitchers. Both Angel and I hope that you learned something this episode. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. And in the meantime, we wish you safe and effective performance on the pitching mat.